Hello again, everyone. Welcome to it. It's Friday, glorious Friday. It's the Derek Hunter podcast for the twenty-first of October, twenty twenty-two. Happy Friday to you. That means the week in F and review will be recorded and up and live at midnight tonight, or one minute after midnight tonight. It's patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and DerekHunter.locals.com. Support the program. Enter the contest. Win signed books. Rand Paul. Was it Rand Paul? No, who the hell is it? Yes, it's Rand Paul versus Judge Janine. I can't believe I can't remember that, but I couldn't remember it. Tonight, uh, well, uh, the drawing will be Sunday, so you've got time to sign up and enter. Anyway, lots of stuff to get to. Let's get going. There is a lot going on today, a bunch of things happening, and we've got to talk about it because, my God, the election is getting closer and closer and closer. And... uh, (sighs) The administration is getting panicked. Democrats are getting panicked. Karine Jean-Pierre is getting confused. That's nothing new, really. She's so historic. Oh, my goodness, is she historic. Just so historic. She can't answer answer basic questions. Honest to God, I don't know know why she got the job, but she's not the only person of that configuration. Could have given the job to somebody who could actually do the job of that configuration, but... Nope, that's not the way it works. So uh, we will get to that as well. But I want to start off with a tale of Kerry Lake. I know it's, it seems like a weird place to start. But Kerry Lake is running for governor out in Arizona. She's an election denier. Every time you hear her mentioned in some, you know, one of the uh, liberal news outlets, you hear what? She's an election denier. My God, an election denier. She denies the election. She's trouble. And these Democrats have this ridiculous stat. It's hilarious. Two-thirds of the country will have an election denier on their ballot somewhere. Oh, my goodness. They're out there. They're everywhere. You just replace election denier with communist, and you could go right back to McCarthy. Except McCarthy was right. The left still hates him because he was outing communists and preventing communists from taking. He went too far, sure, eventually. But what he was doing was important. But they go, oh, they, they, they were, it's the Red Scare. Well, now it's the election denier scare. There's an election denier everywhere. Now, what is an election denier? Anybody who doesn't line up to pucker up and give Joe Biden a colonoscopy. Right, a first-hand colonoscopy. You are, you are denying the election. Don't you think Joe Biden is not only president of the United States, but the greatest president of the United States that the United States has ever had? No, I don't, I don't think that. Ah, oh, well, uh, you're an election denier. You think that Donald Trump won. No, I do think it's a little weird that a senile guy who barely left his basement somehow got 80 million votes. That seems a little bit much and there were all sorts of questions about the way voting laws were changed i've read the constitution it's pretty clear that the state legislatures not the governors not the supreme courts not the secretaries of state get to set how election laws are but i understand that the uh the horse has left the barn on that one you're not going to put the toothpaste back in the tube but we should look into this for future issues oh you're an election denier my god you're worse than hitler Hitler denied elections, too. Uh, actually, 
No, he didn't. But whatever. History is uh, an enigma to these people. They're also dumb on top of it. So even if you explained it to them using little words, they wouldn't get it. But Carrie Lake has been uh, described as a denier. They're trying to invoke the Holocaust. It was a Holocaust denier. Just like they're climate deniers. They are election deniers. They're going to be abortion deniers. They're going to come up with everything that the left loves, and then they're just going to slap denier on it because they're, they're not original thinkers over there on the left. They don't really put a lot of thought. Hey, you know what? Maybe we could have a, a serious, nuanced debate about this issue. You're no, you're now a debate denier. Okay, good talk. Good talk. Of course, Democrats won't debate Republicans most places across the country because they're afraid of them. But they just said, well, they're too extreme. I don't want to debate them. Ah, they're too extreme. Carrie Lake's opponent, Katie Hobbs, doesn't want to debate, has refused to debate. She, in fact, yesterday declared the debate over debates to be done. <laughs> she's losing now. And you'll be able to see why she's losing now when I play you this Carrie Lake clip. It's uh, it's a minute and a half long. I thought I could, I mean, I could have cut it up into a couple of places, but I wanted to play it to you in its entirety. I like that. I don't generally play long clips, but I wanted to play it in its entirety. So there's no question whatsoever that there was any editing, any screwing around with it. But it also demonstrates just how good Carrie Lake is on her feet. How good Carrie Lake is on her feet. Now, not heard in this clip, a reporter asks her about election denialism, of course. Ah, you're an election denier. Why are you denying elections? Why do you hate America? Carrie Lake, and deny all these elections. Carrie Lake has the absolute perfect response. I'm actually shocked you asked that question. <laughs> well, actually, yes, I'm thinking you'll tell one once in a while. <laughs> you know, I, I did a little, actually, Anthony. Anthony, how old are you? 20. Are you a journalist? No. Well, you did better research than half these people. Um, let's talk about election deniers. Here's 150 examples of Democrats denying election results. Oh wow, look at this. This is from this is from uh, Joe Biden's press secretary. Reminder: Brian Kemp stole the gubernatorial election from Georgians and Stacey Abrams. Democrats saying that is that an election denier? Oh look at this. Just heard Republican Ryan Costello said it would be difficult for Stacey Abrams to win because she lost her state bid, but yet she's still claiming she never lost. This is outright Hillary Clinton. Trump is an illegitimate president. Is she an election denier? This one says, was the 2016 election legitimate? It now definitely is a question worth asking. That's the Los Angeles Times. So it's okay for Democrats to question elections, but it's not okay for Republicans. It's a crock of BS. Every one of you knows it. We have our freedom of speech, and we're not going to relinquish it to a bunch of fake news propagandists. If you want a copy of these, I'm sure that we're, Anthony would help you get a copy and help you learn how to be journalists, but look it up. It's been happening for a long time. Since 2000, people have questioned the legitimacy of our elections, and all we're asking is that in the future, we don't have that have to happen anymore. Okay. When I'm governor, excuse me, when I'm governor, we're going to make sure we have honest elections. We want the Democrats, the Independents, and the Republicans to all know that their vote counted. We want fair, 
honest and transparent elections, and we're going to deliver that for the people. But just remember, guys, this is one page after Hillary Clinton says George W. Bush was selected president, not elected. So let's start, if you're going to start throwing around terms like election denier, let's remember who the other election deniers were, Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats. Next question. I love the mic. Next question. She was so prepared for it. She had uh, her staffer, the intern, whatever, the 20-year-old dude's going to have a job in that administration. Uh, He handed her a huge stack of papers. Here they are. You want to see this, all right? You want to keep asking me about this? Let's let's keep playing this game, you idiots. (laughs) You absolute fraud. I'll tell you what will happen, though. The local reporter won't play that. They won't play that. They go, oh, well. But in their package, they'll say, election denier uh, Carrie Lake today, blah, 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 Republican election denier Carrie Lake. They will ignore that event. It never happened. And they won't ask her about it again because they know that she can pummel them about the head and neck with facts and reality. But they will refer to her in that way. Now, why play that? And why start with Carrie Lake? Well, because here in Maryland, we have a governor's race between Dan Cox, the Republican, and Wes Moore, the Democrat. Wes Moore happens to be black. Wes Moore has never really done much of anything in his life. He wrote a, a best-selling book that uh, has some factual errors apparently in it, according to some reporting about his own life, which seems to be a, a required thing to be a Democrat. You get your own biography wrong. But... He hasn't been elected to anything yet. And Politico has a story today. This is their headline. Wes Moore has never been elected to anything. Some backers are already eyeing the White House. <laughs> like, what? He hasn't done anything. Well, you know, he's a black guy. So, you know. He's a, you mean a Democrat running well in a deep blue state after eight years of nominal Republican leadership? You think, you think that's going to, did you think that was going to, did you think Larry Hogan for eight years in Annapolis was going to change the state red? No, the state's more blue than it ever was. Larry Hogan hoarded all of his political capital, didn't bother helping anybody get elected to the state legislature. So his governorship is pretty much worthless. On, I mean, he didn't propose worse things, so I suppose there's that. But ultimately, it's, uh, his important vetoes were simply overridden because he didn't fight hard. He didn't like somebody. He wouldn't campaign for them. Doesn't matter. Are they on your team? Are they going to help you politically? You're governor. You're not God. But whatever. This story is rather hilarious. There's a picture of Wes Moore in the bathroom, in the men's room somewhere. Must be pretty nice. They have uh, closet-style doors, meaning floor-to-ceiling doors, for the stalls in the toilets. And it looks like digital locks of some sort on each one of them. Wes is dressed impeccably in a suit. He's adjusting his tie with matching pocket square, and he's standing in front of the sink, checking himself out. Kind of gross that the reporters for Politico, or the the photographer for Politico, follow him into the john. You know what? This is the shot we need. And then they do it. And the subheadline, by the way, for the Politico story is Maryland's Westmore could be the only black governor in the country next year. A lot of hopes and scrutiny will come along with it. 
You notice anything about that? A lot of hopes. Oh, they're building because he's black. And scrutiny. They're then starting to build the wall of insulation. That scrutiny of Westmore as governor, should he win, i to roll my eyes a little bit, should he win, but they got to say it, should he win would be because he's black. The scrutiny, the criticisms. They don't say it. They don't have to say it. They imply the hell out of it. Democrats went around going, what? Oh, you're using dog whistles. I hear you. You're using dog whistles to indicate that racism. You're, really, what did I say? You said you wanted to get welfare reform. That's clearly dog. Really? Really? So when the Democrats say a lot of hopes and scrutiny will come along with it for being the nation's only black governor. Um, what do you think? Who do you think is going to be paying more attention to Westmore, hmm? Republicans or Democrats? I would tell you that it will be his fellow Democrats. Why? Because they will see him. They'll look at the landscape. Every one of these little Napoleons who are the remaining governors who think they should be president of the United States will look and go, who else is out there? Because it sure is, there's a good possibility Joe Biden won't make it to next week, let alone the next election. So he'll be put in a home somewhere. So you sit there and you go, well, all right, I would like to be that guy. Gavin Newsom wants to be that guy. He's already declared it. So Gavin Newsom will be watching Westmore. Watching Westmore. Every time Westmore screws up, will Gavin Newsom go, well, uh, we're not doing what, what Westmore is. No, he won't be that blatant. He'll be very subtle about it. He knows what he's doing. Gavin, Democrats know how to stab each other in the back. That's who will do it. You can't be stabbed in the back by your opponent because you'll be looking at them. Westmore, if he gets stabbed in the back, will be stabbed in the back by a Democrat. But they're setting it up as, well, those Republicans are going to be eyeballing and scrutinizing, scrutinizing him, and they'll be doing it because he'll be the nation's only black governor. Now, you've seen Wes Moore campaigning, campaign ads. Who's more impressive when it comes to off-the-cuff, on-the-spot, live-action, real-time responses to, well, Wes Moore isn't seriously questioned in any way, shape, or form, but he's not a particularly impressive candidate. Carrie Lake, you just heard, is. Yet there isn't a single media story out there about what's going to be Carrie Lake's future. Was she eyeballing the White House? Is anybody eyeballing the White House for her? It's very weird how the difference between those things, right? Democrats certainly love elevating somebody based on their skin color, but they also love elevating somebody based on their gender. But they don't like Republicans. And that overrides everything. Ask any black Republican you can find. Now this, uh, while Carrie Lake is the demon woman running for governor of Arizona, Wes Moore is the saint Democrat coming to return sanity to Maryland. Wes Moore is going to be Larry Hogan's um, legacy, honestly. The political story, Wes Moore is on the rise. And some of the Democrats' close allies already have their sights set on more than just the Maryland's governor's mansion. Hasn't won yet. He hasn't done anything yet. But no, he's got a nonprofit and he wrote a book. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he can. people can identify with Westmore, but because he's got a ton of money? Because he lives in a multi-million dollar home? Like, what? how, why? 
Moore is poised to become just the third elected black governor in U.S. history if he holds on to the wide polling lead in Maryland. He may well be the nation's only black chief executive in the country next year. Well, that's quite a slam against Stacey Abrams. Jabba will not be happy with that. And who will be, if Stacey Abrams ends up winning down in Georgia, who will be more special? She's a black woman. Westmore's just a man. Man, men have all the advantages. Yes, he's oppressed because of the color of his skin. It oppressed both of them into multimillionaire status. Would that we are all so oppressed, right? But the left has that hierarchy that they pretend is how this country oppresses people. Accomplishing that feat, Politico reports, comes with lofty expectations from a Democratic Party hungry for a new generation of leaders. It has, now, you haven't focused at all on his new generation part. It's all, he's black. He's black. But now, a new generation. Oh, so is it that he's young-ish or that he's black? Because all you've talked about to this point in the article is he's black. There are a lot of young Democrats out there. There are not too many elected black Democrats out there, even from the party that loves to scream about race and how everybody else is racist but them they're the ones who put the octogenarian white dude with a racist history in the white house just two years ago so, oh no we're so pro- we're super progressive he's so young and black and he's so black and young say he's young Moore would also enter the governorship under intense scrutiny, a political neophyte promising to usher in an era of transformation in his first elected gig. If such high-pressure debuts seems like cause for caution, his supporters aren't tempering their enthusiasm. Now, don't you love that? No explanation. They just made it, oh, it's going to be tough for him. How's it going to be tough for Westmore? If he's the governor of Maryland, how is it going to be difficult for Westmore? The legislature will be overwhelmingly controlled by Democrats. Literally anything he wants, the Democrats will go, all right, sure, what the hell? Or maybe they'll say, that's plenty crazy, but I think we can do crazier. So what? what? Oh, it's going to be tough for him getting everything he wants from a legislature that is, you know, has massive majorities of democrats yeah no it's gonna be tough man it's gonna be rough moore has racked up a slew of endorsements including a rare political nod from oprah winfrey oh it's so rare it's not rare oprah endorses black democrats i don't know if you noticed this or not but oprah's a bit of a racist can we just be honest about oprah Look at Oprah's history. She's friends with Dr. Oz. She made Dr. Dr. Oz made her a fortune. I think she was executive producer of his TV show. And they were friends and pals. And oh boy, how did they got along? And he was on the, they were on each other's shows and chumped. And then he comes out as a Republican. And she goes, well, I'm not going to make any endorsements over there. I'm not, that's not, uh, no, I wouldn't want to. Uh, I'll leave that to the people of, of Pennsylvania. Really? Your old, do you want the knife back? I mean, your knives are, you got a lot of them, Oprah, but they are solid gold. You might want them back. Again, now you probably don't need the money. But, you know, oh, a rare endorsement from Oprah. Oprah has introduced, name a, a black Democrat nationwide that Oprah hasn't endorsed. She was all over Barack Obama, 
Oh, they sat together in Reverend Wright's church. Another thing that gets washed over. They always say, well, Barack Obama sat in a racist church for 20 years. I believe Oprah still sits in the church <laughs> or continue. Certainly Barack Obama, he said, oh, I left the church after I found out that the guy I'd been sitting there for 20 years listening to was a racist. I finally listened to the guy I was sitting there for 20 years listening to. It turns out he's a racist now that I need, you know, votes for more than just Democrats in the city, in the in the, the Chicago area. Oprah didn't quit. Oprah's still a big fan, Jeremiah Ray. That's why, that's why Barack Obama, by the way, picked that church. That was the church that the black power elite in Illinois had to go to, particularly Chicago, was Reverend Wright's church. It's just a fact. Look it up. What do you think? Oprah, you think Oprah's sitting there because she can't find a church anywhere else? No, no, no. A big church. She chose that church. She chose that was where the power was. Democratic luminaries are drawn to the energy and charisma he displays on the trail running for the state's open governorship. Well, there's so much charisma. You can describe Westmore in a lot of ways. I'm not sure that charisma is the way to do it. Even President Joe Biden chose a Democratic Party event in the Washington, D.C. suburb of Rockville as his unofficial midterm campaign kickoff. <laughs> there, Biden heaped praise on Moore, the former head of the Robin Hood Foundation, the anti-poverty steal Robin Hood steals from the rich and gives to the poor. Don't say you weren't warned, Marilyn. The anti-poverty nonprofit, as well as the captain who led troops in the Army's 82nd Airborne Division in Afghanistan. Now, you got to love it. They try to associate Joe Biden with him because they want to show that the Democratic Party is just in love with all the Democratic Party. Um, yeah, Joe Biden went to a campaign event in Rockville. Okay, Joe Biden went to a campaign event in Hagerstown, made a complete ass out of himself. They don't use that one as an example. It's weird. <sighs> and while the president has made no mention of his former boss, other than the party can't help but compare more, a moderate. Gotta love the mod. Every Republican is an extremist, <coughs> especially if they go, I got some questions about that 2020 election. They're extremist deniers, monsters, trouble. Really a threat to democracy, a bipedal threat to democracy. But every left-wing radical Democrat, a guy who runs an organization like Robin Hood, oh, we rob from the rich and give to the poor. Now, that's just, it's a moderate position. It's a, well, it is a moderate position, I suppose, in today's Democrat Party, because the extreme position of the Democratic Party is we should literally murder everybody who disagrees with us. It's the Stalin wing, the Hitler wing, the Mao wing of the Democratic Party. It's more of the party than anybody wants to admit. It's most of the party, actually, certainly most of the activists. Anyway, I just love how they throw it in here. More, compare more, a moderate to the nation's first black president. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, not so subtly reached 
for not one, but two former presidents as comparisons when asked about Moore's experience. Quote, Ronald Reagan didn't have much experience before he became the governor of the largest state, except as an actor. Ronald Reagan was actually involved in business dealings and was the head of the Screen Actors Guild Union, the largest, really only union that matters when it comes to Hollywood. But no, that's not experience to good old Steny. He was just a guy who was in a couple of movies. No, no, he he did a lot more than that. He worked in the corporate world, too. But hey, Stenny, I mean, you're old enough to remember this, dude. I guess you're too old that you can't remember. Never mind. Uh, as an actor, Barack Obama had a few years in the U.S. Senate. He also had a few years in the Illinois House. Uh, as well, or the uh, Illinois State Legislature. He voted present most of the time. He was kind of a worthless legislator, but he did have some experience. He did. Uh, Moore's been slammed during the campaign as unequipped to meet Maryland's challenges, having never worked in government before, and he's been labeled a phony by his Republican challenger for being untruthful about how long he's lived in Baltimore, embellishing parts of his biography in his best-selling memoir, The Other Wes Moore. These projections being placed on Moore can be heavy for any candidate, particularly for someone new to the political arena. Now, notice they don't really, they don't mention Dan Cox. They don't go into any details explaining the problems with Westmore. They just don't, they ignore it. I challenge you to find a story about Carrie Lake in an Arizona newspaper, or Politico, for that matter, that doesn't refer to her as an election denier or extremist or somehow tie her to somebody or something, some ideal somewhere that Democrats have deemed to be unacceptable. You won't find it. You won't find it very easily in any event. You might find a casual mention of her in a story not about her, but you won't find a story about her that doesn't mention that, that really that isn't the central focus of. Wes Moore is getting a public colonoscopy as well as a tongue bath by Politico here. And uh, we're supposed to think, well, this is award-winning journalism. Wow, this guy who's done nothing should be our next president of the... Did you know he's black? Oh, there you go. (sighs) It also speaks to the rarity of black candidates getting elected to statewide posts, which are typically seen as a springboard for any further run in the Senate or White House. The Moore candidacy highlights Democrats craving to find a class of leaders that is younger and more diverse than its current crop of long-tenured party heads, one that can help excite the base. Now, I love how they just use that word diverse like this. He's so diverse. No, he's not. He's one. He's one guy. (laughs) If you really want to add his skin color, he's one black guy. Not diverse. Everybody's just one, right? There's no diverse is multitude. Diverse is lots of options. Diverse is also that's diverse is not one. By definition, diverse can't be one. But they use it as code. The dog whistle crowd uses diverse as code for black. That's a very diverse crowd. Okay, yeah, okay, it's a very black crowd. Just say it. Just say it. We're adults. We've got a diverse candidate here. What do you mean you have a diverse candidate? Is he schizophrenic? Does he have multiple personality disorder? What do you mean he's diverse? Well, he's he's black, but we... People get a little... like it does, I don't know. We don't want to do that. We want to try and do other things. We want to try and use different words. What do you got? A word of a day calendar? 
like the racist wor- racist code word of the day. Uh, diverse is today. Thursday's word is diverse. Use it instead of black. Okay, diverse. <laughs> just come. They will never just say what they're saying. Uh, no, no, no. We like him because he's black. I don't know what he stands for. I don't know what he wants. I don't know where he is. He's a left wing radical, far as I can tell. But we'll call him a moderate because that will help. And he's black. There you go. That's all they know about Westmore. It's all they care about Westmore. It's all that matters about Westmore to Democrats. You want to talk about the most superficial group of racist people you'll ever meet, and I don't care which color of the person I'm talking about, Democrats in general, who look at people with this attitude of, what's your skin color? Why, you're diverse. I'm interested in what you have to say based on your skin color. Wow. Okay, great. You also look at kids failing in schools and go, you can't succeed. Look at your skin color. You need to, you need to uh, tamper expectations, tamp down your expectations here because uh, the system is rigged against you. You're never going to get ahead. Haven't you seen your skin color? You're diverse. You're screwed. No, when they get in power, we're screwed. Now we've got to deal with our president. I'm just pointing out the absurdity of, of already propping up Westmore. Now we've got to deal with our president. He announced that he is uh, tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve again, yet again. He's going to keep tapping it until something changes at the pump or November 9th, the day after the election. One of the two. That's, that's it. He'll either do something until it screws up the marketplace to the point that gas prices come down a little bit temporarily, or... He'll stop caring after the election. Either way, he'll stop caring after the election. It's a hell of a racket you got there with the president. But he was asked about this, like, hey, man, is this just political? Like, what are you doing this way? Or it's always, I believe the question was couched in uh, Republicans are saying that it's uh, political. There's never Democrats are saying it's political. It's Republicans are saying it's political. Joe swears, he pinky swears, he swears on Hunter's life, which doesn't actually mean all that much, that uh, he's not being political. What is your response to Republicans who say you are only doing this SPR release to help Democrats in the midterms? Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? No, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms. Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? It's not politically motivated at all. It's motivated to make sure that I continue to push on what I've been pushing on. And that is making sure there's enough oil that's being pumped by the companies so that we have the ability to be able to produce enough gas that we need here at home, oil we need here at home. And at the same time, keep moving in the direction of providing for alternative energy. That's what I've been doing. Now, the problem is these guys are asleep. I don't know where they've been. First of all, he says at the very beginning, where have they been the last four months? The last four months, you started tapping the Strategic Petroleum Reserve back in March. For those of you playing the home game, that's March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. That is eight months, not four months, Joe. I'm sorry to wake you, but it's been a little while. Also, it hasn't worked in eight months, right? Have you 
picked up on that? The only thing you've done is made this country less safe, less secure, because our strategic petroleum reserve is nearly the lowest it's ever been since like World War II. So, yeah, uh, you, you're going to keep doing what doesn't work. Why? Because you have to be seen as doing something to try and fool people you think are wildly stupid enough to fall for your doing something to fix gas prices. If you can follow that, go ahead. But all these Republicans, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they? They can't do anything. They're not in power. They can't reverse your executive orders banning drilling. He went off about, oh, they've got 9,000. He's still spewing the same lie. 9,000 leases. Okay, that's great. Let's just pretend for a second that you own the drilling lease for oil in your backyard, right? Wherever your backyard, you own the lease. You own the, the mineral rights. You can, you've got permission from the government to drill to your heart's content for oil in your backyard. The only problem is you got that lease for 10 years. Great. Congratulations. On year one, day one, you you explored, you drilled, you checked it out, and there's no oil back there, right? There's no oil back there. Now you've got nine years and 364 days of a worthless lease. Now imagine the president of the United States blames you for gas prices and says, Becky, that piece of garbage has a lease to drill for oil, and she's not drilling for oil. Well, that's true in the most technical sense. You, Becky, do in fact have a lease to drill for oil. And you, Becky, are in fact not drilling for oil. But you're not drilling for oil because there's no oil there. You've looked, you've checked, you've drilled and found nothing. You came up empty. But they say, well, they have 9,000 leases. Well, there are 9,000 leases that are kind of worthless to one degree or another, be it because of their location, because they're inaccessible and you won't give right-of-way access to them. You uh, have certain states and certain areas and certain federal lands where the environmentalist nutjobs sue and hold up any attempt to drill. So either you you start the 20-year legal process to try and start drilling in there and uh, you end up eventually winning, but it's 20 years down the road. Why would any oil company go, I'll spend 20 years worth of time and effort and money trying to drill in this place when the president of the United States has made it his personal goal to destroy your industry within the next five to 10 years? Well, does it make sense to invest in anything literally anything when the entirety of the democratic party has sworn a blood vendetta against your existence we will put you out of business but please for the love of god keep drilling drill more refine more improve your why don't you invest in more drilling well because it'll take a couple years to be able to drill even in places where it's favorable conditions and you've sworn to destroy us by then well, I promise I won't destroy you then. I'll give you a couple of years to try and... Re no. No business person with any sense whatsoever would go, all right, let's just throw this out there. Let's just do it. Well, I can't imagine why these oil companies aren't lining up to kiss Joe Biden's butt like everybody else in the media is. Now, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this, what I just explained to you. Why would these oil companies invest anything 
when the president of the United States has promised to destroy them. You're asking oil companies to further lower gas prices. What makes you think that they are going to listen to an administration that is ultimately trying to put them out of business? How, how is the administration trying to put them out of business? Well, they produce fossil fuels, and this president says he wants to end fossil fuel. He has no idea. She, she, Karen Jean-Pierre is the most oblivious press secretary in the whole world. History begins anew every day when she wakes up. She did not like the president of the United States. She did not pay attention to Joe Biden's campaign. She was a Bernie Sanders person. You can tell. So she's absolutely clueless as to what went on. Democrats don't even like to learn from other Democrats. They know what they know, no matter how wrong it is, and they will stick to it. So just for fun, we went back. I went back and found what Peter Ducey was talking about there. And I'll leave it to you to decide. IBM presents You Make the Call. Yes, you make the call. This is Joe Biden on the campaign trail in 2020 speaking to a young girl who was afraid that the world would come to an end by the time she reached maturity. So she wouldn't have enough years to fully transition. No, I'm just kidding about that last part. But listen to what Joe Biden says to her. Uh, but, but kiddo, I want you to just take a look, okay? You don't have to agree. But I want you to look in my eyes. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to clock it. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuels. You make the call. I could have sworn that was Alcoa that sponsored that, but you make the call. You decide. Was the president of the United States being serious there when he said that? If you're the CEO of an oil company and you hear the president of the United States say, I guarantee I'm going to kill that company, I'm going to destroy it. I don't think you would go, well, you know what, what are the, let's start making 20-year drilling plans. This guy who swore to destroy us says that he needs our help now. So let's give him a little bit of help so that maybe he can get a second term and his party can remain in power in the House of Representatives in the United States Senate so that they can go after us further. You going to do that? You think anybody's going to do that? Hell no, nobody's going to do that. What's amazing to me is that these Democrats are going, what's wrong with these oil companies? Why aren't they doing that? They're greedy oil companies. Why are they leaving all this money on the table? Because they recognize that there's money on the table, but they can't pick it up for nine years. And you've promised to set the table on fire in seven. Kind of a disincentive, don't you think? Oh, uh, by the way, if you're looking for it, I know there are a lot of people out there looking for work and there will probably be more people looking for work in the near future thanks to the complete and total incompetent management of this economy. So if you're looking for a job and you have dual citizenship in the UK, they're looking for a new prime minister again. You're like, wait a second, what? Yeah, no, I know. I didn't talk about this at the beginning because it's not surprising and it's not really new. It doesn't matter all that much. But Liz Truss, the new prime minister of the UK, has resigned after 44 days in office. 44 days. And now I think she's going to probably stick around until the Tories find somebody else to take over. At some point, they've got to find somebody competent at doing the job. What's amazing to me is she fought for this job. 
She fun- now don't get me started. I'm not going to go off about the what I view as the absurdity of the parliamentary system of government. But uh, she fought for this job. She campaigned hard for this job. She had an opponent. She had several opponents at the beginning campaigning hard for this job. It came down to her and another guy, and she said, I'm the best. I can do it. Now, maybe the other guy would have lasted only 43 days, but I can't imagine how he'd be any worse. She proposed, because they're dealing with inflation, too. They're dealing with a slowdown in economics, too. The difference is that they're admitting that it's, it's happening, whereas our president is going, what? No. What are you talking about? I have been able to buy ice cream everywhere I go without any problem. Oh, okay. You're a multimillionaire who grifted off the American public and foreign governments. You're filthy rich. You're president of the United States. Of course you can buy ice cream. It's not the unit of measure, dude. But uh, he's out there denying that there are problems. In the UK, they tried to address them. Unfortunately... They don't have the uh, underpant content to actually do what is necessary to turn an economy around. You need to cut spending. You need to control spending. You need to stop spending wildly. You need to, to raise interest rates. You need to, if you need to stimulate the economy, you need to cut taxes, things of that nature. Government spending doesn't... It's a false stimulation. It's like, oh, I'm tired every single day. Well, all right, well, here's a B12 shot. Wait, I feel great today. Now, you could get a B12 shot every day for ever, I suppose, but it wouldn't really deal with the core problem of why you're tired, would it? No, it would mask it. So you need to get your house in order. She came in with allegedly a plan, and then the second she tried to implement it, the entire administration over there backed away and fell apart. And so they get what they deserve. It'll be ultimately really funny if Boris Johnson ends up back in number 10 Downing Street, in my opinion. I would like to see that. <laughs> Just see. Um, by the way, speaking of incompetence and um, government incompetence, the government is targeting Elon Musk. Elon Musk is going forward now, it seems, with the purchase of Twitter. The other day, Twitter froze its employees' stock, which means they can't buy and sell and trade their stock. So, like, they think they have insider information that something is going to change and affect the price of, te- of uh, Twitter stock. So they're all stuck. They're all screwed. They should have run for Congress. They could still be trading on it. But uh, so they're they're looking at and the government said, we're going to look into this deal. We're going to look into we're going to investigate Elon Musk, see if he's done anything wrong. Well, do you allege that he's done anything wrong? Do you have any proof, any evidence, any reason to suspect whatsoever he's done anything wrong? Well, yes, he's criticized Democrats and that's good enough. That's all they really care about. Well, the way the left works, it isn't just government power that is thrown at people who displease them. It is all. Power. It is every tentacle of the squid that is the left that comes at you like a rabid spider monkey. So today, linked on the Drudge Report, which has become the home for left-wing activism, there's this opinion piece from uh, I don't know, the information. I don't know what the hell that's a part of, but whatever. It says, Elon Musk's management style is a threat to global democracy. That's the headline. Elon Musk's management style is a threat. How the hell 
Uh, a management style, that doesn't matter. They don't care. It doesn't matter how absurd they come across. It doesn't matter how stupid they come off. They have an objective. You're sitting there and you're going, uh, we're, we're going to have to just take that hill. Well, the first 20 waves, at least, going up that hill are going to be slaughtered. It doesn't matter. It's for the cause. There's no guarantee we're going to take that hill. And the, the progressives are just the generals sitting there like, I don't care if it takes every single one of your bodies to be destroyed by gunfire. Go take that hill. Okay, what's the strategic advantage of taking that hill? Uh, that hill just displeased me. Right? I want that, or I like the view from that hill better than this hill. So go take that hill. And there's no reason to go after Elon Musk. He is not a government official. He's not even particularly interested in government. But what he is doing, which gives them the justification in their minds to go after Elon Musk, is he is a fan of free speech, even the worst kind of speech imaginable. And that is the speech that Democrats disagree with. Can't hate speech, things like, you know, conservatism, anything, everything is hate speech to the left. So you get a piece like Elon Musk's management style is notoriously impulsive, toxic and cruel. One time employees describe being tossed to the curb like a piece of litter. The result of Musk's, quote, complete lack of loyalty or human connection, end quote. This coldness has been reserved, hasn't been just reserved for middle management or low-level workers. In 15 years, Tesla has cycled through almost a dozen general councils. Oh, hey, sounds like he treats everybody the same way. What's the problem here? And oh, by the way, <clears throat> if this were a Democrat, I don't know what his politics are, but I know that he's displeased Democrats. But if this were a Democrat in good standing, this hit piece and all the other hit pieces on Elon Musk would be considered hate crimes. Why? Because Elon Musk has Asperger's. Elon Musk has Asperger's. It's widely known about him. He's been open about it. When he hosted Saturday Night Live, he said, I'm the first person with Asperger's to host Saturday Night Live. That is a disability they tell us. And so what? His disconnection there, what is described as his callousness, his coldness, his indifference, is due to his Asperger's. This would be then mocking and attacking Elon Musk over his disability. Now you call Bruce Jenner or Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce, or any tranny by their dead name and you're a problem. You're, dis you're attacking somebody. You point out that John Fetterman up in Frankensteinville in Pennsylvania can't string together a coherent sentence. It's because he's disabled. He had a stroke. You're attacking somebody with a disability. It's weird when it comes out of Pennsylvania because the same breath those people go, you're attacking somebody with a disability. You're a monster. You're an ableist. And then they will then shift gears and go, but he is completely uh, normal and he's capable of doing this job and there's, not, there's nothing wrong with him. Well, is he disabled or is he not disabled? It depends on the context. Is it useful for me to say he's disabled or not? But when it comes to Elon Musk, he displeased their masters over there in the Democratic Party and the progressive movement. And therefore, you can attack him for Asperger's without pointing out that he has Asperger's. You can just say, he's, he's so callous. He's so disconnected from other people. Like, hey, uh, I can think of a reason as to why maybe that's the case if you're at all, in, you're not interested. All right, never mind. Never mind. You just go about your business. Agenda uberalis, mein Freund. Yeah, sehr gut sein. See? By the way, whilst uh, Jabba the commie, down, well, I guess Jabba the commie is Michael Moore, but while Jabba of Georgia, 
Jabba went down to Georgia looking for a buffet to steal. I'm surprised Michael Moore hasn't been out there, actually. Have you really? Just as an aside, have you noticed that Michael Moore has disappeared? I almost expect him to, like, have gone away and secretly had, like, lap band surgery. And uh, he'll show back up and he'll be like, oh, my God, it's Michael Moore. He's like 180 pounds. What the heck is going on? He looks great. But I don't think that'll happen. I think Michael Moore, uh, I know Michael Moore fell out of favor with the left, which is kind of funny. And sitting there going, how did Michael Moore, their, their once and future God, their king, how did he fall out of favor with them? Well, he executive produced a movie, a documentary about the environmental movement and how most of it is a scam to rip people off and get rich. It's just true. Not that, you know, it's a hoax or anything like that. But uh, climate change is a hoax. Climate change is. But the environmental movement itself is a scam to get people rich and get rich people richer. And you sit there and you go, well, what, what? How? Well, people got mad about it. the people who run those organizations. The people who were getting rich got pissed off about it. Hey, what are you doing exposing this? How dare you? And so they sort of excommunicated him. The left is a hive. If a worker bee isn't carrying their weight, they're just like kicked out of the hive. Michael Moore has tried. And will continue to try. He still has an audience. It's not like he's desolate in the middle of nowhere. But he's he's still got his millions. And he's still got his fans to a certain extent. The ones who didn't pay attention to this movie will still love him. And I'm sure he'll burp out some other movie before the next election that will uh, try and get him back in the good graces of the money machine that is the left. It's just interesting. Anyway... Back to uh, Jabba and uh, her answer about, well, abortion is inflation, and the best way to fight inflation is to abort. Karen Jean-Pierre was asked about this as well. Now, her answer, it's kind of funny because she claims she didn't hear this, and it's possible that she didn't hear this. Hell, she didn't hear Joe Biden talk about how he... uh, how he's going to destroy the oil and gas industry. He's going to destroy fossil fuel. She didn't hear that. Why should you hear about uh, about what Stacey Abrams said, except for that it happened on MSNBC, and I'm sure that every television in the White House is tuned into MSNBC. But what's interesting in her answer is not just the, gee, I don't know, I'm not going to comment because I hadn't heard that sort of thing, is that she kind of does this plus, whoa, that's a sounds like a question having to do with politics and i'm at the white house and i'm not supposed to be involved in politics like do you not pay attention they don't pay attention to what each other say they don't pay attention to what they themselves say that's how insane these people are but i found it amusing in any event so listen to corinne jean pierre refuse to comment on any it's it's amazing how when uh non-peter Ducey reporters ask her questions she has an answer oh no i have a i thought long and hard about that or i'm not really sure where you got that from but i'll comment anyway when peter Ducey does it, it's making democrats look like complete jackasses her answers i haven't seen that i can't comment well am i lying to you do you think i'd lie you think there'd be a reporter who's gonna be like, hey uh karen jean pierre i'm sorry the historic karen jean pierre this morning on morning joe on msnbc 
Stacey Abrams was on there and she ate a baby. <laughs> you know, in the middle of questioning, she was talking to Mika about, uh, you know, storm preparedness. And she just broke out a jar full of babies and started eating babies. Uh, do you care to comment on Do you really think that that uh, the, somebody the president supports and endorsed should be eating babies on network television? I think that at that point you could go, well, uh, I didn't see that. Pretty sure I would have heard something about that. But no, if it were, she's not going to just answer the question going, well, I don't think you should probably eat babies. Because then it goes back and it finds out that she was just eating Doritos and not babies. Um, the reporter would look like an idiot. <clears throat> but no, that's not how the left works. They they don't trust Peter Ducey, even though he's telling you the truth or asking you a question based in reality. Anyway, listen to Karin Jean-Pierre deny any knowledge, of, which is believable, of anything. One more that folds in the president's top domestic priorities. In Georgia... The president's endorsed candidate for governor, Stacey Abrams, is suggesting that one, may, one way to mitigate the effects of inflation is to get an abortion. Does President Biden agree? Uh, I did not see her comments on this, so I don't know the context of this. Again, I want to be careful because this is a political debate, uh, and it, it's related to a midterm and election. Uh, so I, this is, I'm not going to comment on that. you got to be careful up there when you're lying on behalf of Democrats that, uh, you know, you don't get caught truthing on behalf of Democrats. Unbelievable. But uh, there is one more clip of Corinne Jean-Pierre I want to play for you because she was asked by Peter Ducey then, which is more important to the president? It's not a political question. It's, is it abortion or the economy? Because what? I have it focused like a laser. Abortion, or, uh, like a laser. The economy is my top priority. The uh, inflation is my top priority. And of course, it's done nothing but get worse since it's been his top priority. But now, since he's trying to motivate Democrats to go out there and vote, he's saying abortion is my top priority. You can't have two top priorities. You just can't. So which one is it? Well, she tries to have her cake and eat it too. Thanks, Karine. Following up on something Steve was asking, what is President Biden's top domestic priority now? Is it inflation or is it abortion? The president's going to continue to talk about issues that matter to the American people. And abortion is one of them. Majority of the American people uh, disagree with the decision that uh, that the Supreme Court made, the Dobbs decision. That is a majority of the people uh, disagreed with that. When it comes to the economy, the president has made it very, very clear. When it comes to inflation, it is the, his number one economic priority. And he is doing everything that he can to make sure that we lower prices and for the American people. It's his number one economic priority. We've heard the president say inflation is his top domestic priority. But now he's saying come next year, his first bill would be abortion-related. So is his number one domestic priority abortion or is it inflation? Well, let's not forget what the president has done the last 19 months. He has made the economy his top priority. Please stop helping us, Mr. President. <laughs> if this is what happens, if this is the end result of the president making this for 19 months his top priority, please stop helping us because in those 19 months, inflation has done nothing but go up. Gas prices have done nothing but go up. Food prices have done nothing but go up. The economy has, well, the last two quarters shrunk. 
the very definition of a recession. So if this is Joe Biden's A game trying to help people, please stop helping us, Mr. President. But I do love that. Well, it's his top economic priority. Well, that's different than his top domestic priority. I'd expect it to be his top economic priority if it's his top domestic priority. But if it's just his top domestic or economic priority, then it doesn't necessarily be his top domestic priority, especially when he said his number one priority is making sure that people can have as many abortions as they want starting in the new year, which then begs the question, why aren't you pushing that piece of legislation now when Democrats actually control Congress? And then you open up a whole can of worms about how Democrats are lying to you because they know that their base is stupid and will probably fall for it. The cycle of life, ladies and gentlemen. As we wrap it up, let's have a little bit of mockery, a little bit of fun, a little bit of uh, just try and lighten the load. It really does get to the point where some people are, you know, you can see why people jump off buildings. We can either just keep going full bore into that or we could maybe just, I don't know, have a little laugh at the absurdity of the human condition. Before we get to the NHL, I had the NHL audio yesterday. I didn't play it. I ran out of time. I want to get to it today. But this story is just... Meghan Markle is just an insufferable piece of crap. We just all agree on that. Meghan and Prince Harry, you almost feel bad for the guy. Like, this is what you ended up with. What would you have gotten had you won the bet? The headline from the... uh, Well, I'll just read you the story from the uh, uh, New York Post. Meghan Markle admitted she judged Paris Hilton before interviewing her because the hotel heiress grew up, quote, pretty. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, Paris Hilton's hot. The Duchess of Sussex spoke with Hilton for this week's episode of her podcast uh, about the archetype of a bimbo, but confessed to Variety that she went into the discussion with negative opinions. So open-minded. Quote, I was embarrassed to admit it, But I've had a judgment about her that's based on everything I've seen, and I don't like to come from a place of judgment, she said. But I also didn't grow up pretty. And you didn't grow into pretty either. (laughs) Seemingly confused, the reporter on the Variety Q&A asked the Suits alum to clarify what she meant by the statement. Quote, I grew up as the smart one. So much of what I ended up thinking about when I thought about Paris was envy and judgment, two of the most dangerous things. But when you hear about her trauma and her life and her buying into this persona, blah, blah, it goes on from there. But I love it. Her argument is I was jealous. I didn't like Paris Hilton because I didn't grow up pretty. I grew up smart. I grew up smart. Not Well, you grew out of smart and you didn't grow into pretty. So... Is that what you want? Like, congratulations are in order or something? I'm not really sure what's going on there. But you got to love that. I didn't grow up. I grew up smart. I didn't grow up pretty. Simple truth in life. People generally are... If you are something, you don't have to tell anybody you are it. If you are smart, you don't have to run around telling people you're smart. You will... uh, People will get that. And in fact... More people will, uh, the more you declare yourself smart, the less likely it is you actually are smart. Same with pretty. If you're pretty, we get it. You don't need a team of people to to 
sandblast your face and try and make you less repugnant. They're never going to be able to wash off your insides, Megan. You're going to be ugly forever because they'll never be able to wash off your insides. All right, I want to play you this. I didn't know that the NFL had an executive vice president of social impact growth and legislative affairs, but they do. It's a woman named Kim Davis, and she has been busy studying the racial makeup of employees of NHL teams. And it's far too white. Um, It says that we are where we expected to be, but now we have the facts to back it up. Um, I think the one area that we are... Um, are feeling positive about is that 38% of our workforce are women. Um, We've done a lot of work to improve in that area. Uh, And it's very consistent with our current female fan base of 40%. And so that's a great benchmark. Um, Having said that, we know we have work to do with women of color and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the the thing that you should take away from the workforce uh, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. And it is progressive in that it's a self-identified report. So of our 4,200, approximately 4,200 employees across the league and the club, 67% of our employees participated in it, and this is how they self-identified. And we will take this benchmark every two years and measure our progress over time. Got to measure the progress in specifically hiring people based on their skin color rather than their ability or their even interest in the league. Because let's be honest, hockey is played where? Uh, where are most of the players from? Where it snows a good chunk of the year, where it's cold a good chunk of the year? And those tend to be, you know, the Scandinavian countries, the Slavic countries, the North American Canadians. So, okay, so what? 13% of the U.S. population is black if you want to play this game, but the NFL doesn't want to play this. None of the sports want to play this game. But 13% of the U.S. population is black. 73% of the NBA is black. Should we change those rules? Do we really need equity? What about the uh, short, I don't know, Hawaiian overweight Hawaiian contingent. What about the overweight white guy? Why aren't they out there for the NBA? The NFL is 60% black. Does that need fixing? No, it doesn't. Is there this wide variety of non-white people super interested in hockey? I don't think there are. There's certainly some, but are they super interested in hockey to the point that they want to make it their career? Now, the people who tend to want to make it their career are the people who tend to grow up playing hockey. And if you played hockey, you played hockey like where I did, where you grew up because in the winter everything was frozen. You could literally skate on the street. That's where you played hockey. But my God, this race obsession. So many people involved, not just in sports journalism, but in sports in general, hate sports. They seek to actively destroy sports. And they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Let them. To hell with them. That is it. That's all the time we have for today. That's all the time we have for this week, or at least all the time I'm giving till midnight, 12.01 a.m. at patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com, spelled the way the Lord intended. Derek, D-E-R-E-K. And that's when the Week in Evan Review will be up. Don't forget, join up, sign up there, support the show, and then enter to win the contest to win either a Rand Paul signed book 
or a Judge Janine autographed book. Your choice, your call. Makes no difference to me. I just want you to get what you want. So good luck. I'll hopefully see you at midnight. Otherwise, I'll see you on Monday. Have a great one. IBM presents You Make the Call. 